The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. you magical people out there and thank you so much for tuning in to harry potter therapy i'm your host dustin mcginnis i'm a musician filmmaker and all-around fanboy and i'm dr janina scarlett i'm a clinical psychologist author and a full-time witch so today we are going to be doing harry potter and the goblet of fire chapter 11 aboard the hogwarts express at the beginning of this chapter we're introduced to the character mad eye moody in the magical community he is what is called an auror which is essentially a magical bounty hunter who hunts down evil wizards. Mad-Eye is the magical representation of the old battle-worn veteran who was a great wizard in his time. Due to his line of work, he's experienced a lot of trauma. He lost a leg and an eye and has survived many fierce battles. He's very irritable, paranoid, and extremely vigilant. What are your thoughts on Mad-Eye Moody? I would love to interview Mad-Eye Moody. But as you said, we're seeing a lot of what can be thought of as paranoia or what can be thought of as potentially trauma reactions. I don't know if Moody meets the full criteria for PTSD, but we do see that he's easily startled, right? He doesn't trust anyone. He is extra cautious. He takes a lot of measures which are required for his job as an Auror and also as a war veteran, right, of the first war. Mm-hmm. I think that he's somebody who is not much different from a lot of war veterans that we see in terms of having been through a lot and somebody that has their own methods of trying to keep themselves and their loved ones safe. Arthur Weasley receives an important call from Amos Diggory. Apparently, Mad-Eye said he heard an intruder at his house and was essentially attacked by his own dustbins, which I assume are trash cans in England. (laughs) But a fight ensued, and when Arthur asks what happened to the intruder, Amos shrugs it off as Mad-Eye being delusional and attacking the neighborhood stray cat. Due to Mad-Eye's paranoid nature and reputation, he is dismissed, and Bill even insults him and calls him a nutter. Why do some people act like this towards survivors like Mad-Eye? This is so heartbreaking, right? Because I think there's an assumption that when people hear a noise, a reminder of the trauma, that they are, you know, quote-unquote nutter, right? Or quote-unquote crazy. I really don't like either of these terms as opposed to a genuine reaction to trauma and a little bit of a spoiler here, 
Moody was actually right. <laughs> there was an intruder. He was attacked, kidnapped, actually. I think a lot of times people who've been through trauma who might be trying to alert other people to something being wrong get dismissed. And unfortunately, after a while, they might end up getting hurt. This happens to people who report intimate partner violence and might keep on making reports that their ex-partner or somebody else, you know, perhaps is stalking them and their claims are not taken seriously, especially if they get anxious about, let's say, a dustbin, which might actually end up being an intruder. And unfortunately, sometimes people don't react until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Well, one good thing is Mad-Eye has a good friend. Arthur is really good friends with Mad-Eye, and he immediately rushes to help him. This leaves Molly to deal with all the logistics of getting all the kids to the Hogwarts Express on time before it leaves. It takes three taxi cabs to fit all the people, their pets, and their luggage. We've all seen Home Alone and the stress and anxiety involved in organizing everything for multiple people and getting them to the plane, or in this case, the train on time. Can you discuss the stress of big family travel and some possible ways to make them less stressful? First of all, I think that travel in general is very stressful. Mm -hmm. Travel for someone like Molly, who is also a war survivor. She is somebody with a lot of anxiety. It is very scary. And in this case, she's the only adult, really, right? Because I don't remember if Bill and well, Charlie are Bill there. Bill and Charlie are there. Right. But they're not really helping, mm -hmm. are they? So she's the only adult, really, right? She's the only adult in charge. Bill and Charlie are not helping. All the kids are not really behaving. And the twins are not helping either. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think the more she tries to put on herself to make sure everyone's okay and, and everyone does what they're supposed to, the less she trusts other people and the less she trusts other people, the less trustworthy they become. In an ideal situation, even if Arthur wasn't available, she would task certain kids with certain responsibilities, especially Hermione and Jenny, who are very responsible. She might task them with making sure that the rest of the kids do certain things. And so in doing so, she might have a little bit less of, of a difficult time organizing everybody. But I think because Molly doesn't really trust anyone else to take care of things, she is really struggling with getting everyone together. Yeah, but she still handles business because that's the way she do it. Because she's a <laughs> badass and she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Since the morning of the World Cup, a large portion of the Weasley family have been holding on to a secret. They keep slipping and telling the kids that they'll find out in Hogwarts when they get there. But to make matters worse, when they arrive at the train, Malfoy knows the secret. And that's got to be really hard on them that even Malfoy knows the secret. Secrets where multiple people know and continue to keep it from other people is so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss why it is so difficult being on the outside of a secret? Well, it can feel like a form of exclusion. Right. It can feel like, why is it that other people are in on this and I'm not? It can feel like we're a part of the out group instead of the in group. And even if the intention is good, if people around us know the secret and we're one of the few that don't, it, it 
feels like almost like a form of bullying, which exclusion is typically a form of bullying. Secret keeping might or might not be in certain situations, but it can feel really awful in that situation. Yeah. To make matters worse, Malfoy catches a glimpse of Ron's dress robes and starts making fun of him. Can you discuss how bullying someone over their clothes is a type of prejudice? Absolutely. I think for so many people, when they might come from a different socioeconomic status, for instance, and might not have certain types of um, brand clothes or what have you, I think that they're sometimes seen by certain individuals as less than, which is total BS, of course. And I know that in some schools to this day, kids are being prejudiced against for not wearing certain brand shirts or uniforms or dresses. And I think that it's yet another way to oppress people from a different socioeconomic class. Yeah. I remember in school, there was this old commercial about raisins. It was like, I heard it through the grapevine and it was all these dancing raisins. From the California Vineyards. Don't you know I heard it through the great Sounds great, doesn't it? One kid wore a shirt with those little cartoon raisins on it, and everybody from that point on called him Raisin. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it. He didn't seem to mind it very much, but mm-hmm. for some reason, it really bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like they were making fun of him because yeah. he did wear that shirt quite often, too. Mm-hmm. When you were just saying that, that story just came back to my mind about that poor guy. Malfoy's behavior causes Ron to lose his temper and become lost in the grips of a very bad mood. He slams the sliding compartment door so hard that it actually shatters the glass. And of course, Hermione fixes the window with her Reparo charm. She tells Ron not to let Malfoy get to him. And Ron immediately tells Hermione, him, get to me, as if. And then he proceeds to squish a cauldron cake into pulp. It appears there's more to Ron's mood than just Malfoy being Malfoy. Why do you think Ron is so upset and how can smaller incidents increase one's frustration and lead to this kind of temperament? I think that for Ron, he's now encountered years of this kind of classist oppression from Draco. And I think it's yet another reminder that Draco sees Ron and Ron's family as a different class and and uses it as a reason for discrimination. I think it's something that unfortunately Ron feels a lot of shame about and I think that it really hurt his feelings and so I think he's reacting this way. I also think it's an interesting parallel how when Hermione brought up her feeling upset about the way elves are treated, Ron invalidated her feelings and when Ron got hurt by Draco, Hermione invalidated his feelings Mm. like she just told him essentially to not let Draco get to him but in book two right in the Chamber of Secrets when 
Draco called Hermione the bad word that we don't say, right? Ron stood up for her. And I think Hermione is not realizing that this too is a form of prejudice. Most definitely. And the situation made me wonder if Ron was also upset that he essentially insulted his father, that Draco insulted his father, Mm -hmm. and that he knows the secret and Mm -hmm. they don't. There's more going on, right? It's not just... Sure. I think there are multiple layers, but I do think a big part of it is this ongoing form of prejudice, which... You know, if you take any one incident, it seems like, oh, no big deal, right? Except, of course, it is. But when there's been a thousand of these cases, Mm -hmm. right? It's not one case. It's the thousandth occurrence Mm -hmm. of Draco insulting Ron and his family in this way. It's something that's, of course, going to be enraging. Yeah, what makes you better than me? (laughs) You know, that whole thing. Well... The train reaches Hogwarts and the students hop onto a hundred horseless carriages and they're swept away towards the castle and that's pretty much the end of the chapter. So we're going to go ahead and end this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Thanks so much for listening. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag Harry Potter Therapy. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Stay magical, stay kind, and take care. <laughs>